2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. It says, for I am ready, or already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, and finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And I shared this with you last week, but the Apostle Paul um, is here at the end of his life. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, right? The Bible, he talks about himself being caught up into the third heaven. The revelation he received, he received personally from the Lord, even though he wasn't necessarily walking around with Jesus. So the Apostle Paul is a huge figure in, in as far as Christianity and the things of the kingdom. And at the end of his life, this is what he's telling Timothy, a young pastor. He's passing this on to Timothy. And he says, listen, I have fought the good fight. So number one, he's letting Timothy know it wasn't easy. I fought the good fight. How many of you know a good fight is the fight you win, not one you lose? Amen. And then he goes on and he says, I have finished the race. And I want us to grab hold of that this morning, that he said, I have finished the race. And that's what we're going to focus on, is that Paul finished the race. And listen to what he says in verse 8. He said, finally, right, after he says this, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Right? I want you to understand that there is, there is an end result. And, and we live our lives, if we're not careful, we just live destination-minded. And what I mean by that is that we live, well, once I get saved, I've got saved and I'm done. I've reached the destination of salvation. But salvation isn't a destination, it's a life to be lived. So really, when you get saved, you become born again, you actually are beginning a new season in your life. And then we look to, to heaven as being a destiny. Well, I can't wait till we get to heaven. Well, heaven itself is, is not the end of everything. It's actually a new season. Because the Bible says that he's going to recreate the heavens and the earth. There's going to there's be so much more that we have set before us. And if you're just destination-minded, then you'll miss out on the journey and the, the reasoning behind what you're doing. It's not just about arriving. Thank God we can arrive. Thank God we get there, right? But salvation is a continual walk in my life. And Paul, uh, he, he attributes it to running a race. And that's the way Paul is presenting this. And so we need to understand and know that we all have a race to run. You have a race, I have a race, we all have a race, amen, to run in our life. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, listen to what it says. I'm reading to you out of the Amplified. It says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance unnecessary weight and the sin which so readily and deftly and cleverly clings to and entangles us and let us run with patient endurance 
and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief and is also its finisher, bringing it to full maturity and perfection. Now listen, it says, He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I, that's, that's a, it's just two scriptures, but in the Amplified, it's a lot to read. But let's kind of break this down. I don't want to cover everything in it, but just look at some of the things that the writer of Hebrews is saying. First is, as he says, we have a race to run. You have a race to run. Number two is, is he says there's a successful way of running that race. There's not just a race to run, there's a successful way to do it. And then third is he says that there is a prize in that race or the end of that race. If you run it successfully, there's a prize at the end of it and that prize is connected to joy. Amen? That prize is connected to joy. So we need to understand that when we look at this race, it's, it, there's different components to it. How many of you know when you go or when you're watching the Olympics, these are people that have trained for years. And they've trained to run their race. But they didn't train to run their race to lose it. And if you watch them, you'll hear the commentary always talk about the techniques. Usually there are people that have run in those events and they are aware of it and they're pointing out their techniques. They're pointing out all of the things that go into the nuances of going into running a race. And you could step back and say, well, you know, what's the big deal? They're just running. Nope. They're running with specific purpose. They're running with specific instruction, right? Because they want to win. And in my life and in your life, God has already made a way for you to win. In other words, Jesus has already paid the price and he's given us the victory. But in order to enjoy that victory, there is a way to run our race. There is a way to obtain that prize. If there wasn't, then the Apostle Paul wouldn't have written it. You see what I'm saying? Now listen, salvation is yours. Amen? You can't earn it. You can't do enough to get it. It's paid for. Right? But there's more to it. Like I said, getting saved, being born again is the beginning of something, not the end of something. And I want to help you see that at the beginning of that, it brings me onto the playing field. It puts me into the race. It puts me uh, in, into the competition, if you will. And when I talk about competition, I'm not talking about with each other. The Bible says we're not supposed to compare ourselves to one another. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about fulfilling what God's put on the inside of you. So we need to run to win. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 
And this is in the New Living Translation. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. And this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Corinth. And he's saying, listen, everybody's running in a race. And you need to run in such a way as to win. You need to run in such a way as to win, to have that victory. And he says here, only one person gets the prize. He's attributing to the games. Because in Corinth, they did the games. They did competitions. And he's trying to give them a mental picture of what it is to run our race in the kingdom. Just like now, we're watching the Olympics that are happening over in Tokyo, and we get a picture of what that's like to compete and to run and to fulfill our race. So we're not in competition with each other. We're all on the same team. And you can look at like the relays. You know, I love, the re- I love watching the relays. You know, and, and they're in track and field. You know, you see the first runner, you know, they're, they're, they're the beginning of the leg and, and they run and, and, and then they hand off the baton. And then the next person takes off. And they hand off the baton and the next person takes off. But they're all part of the same team. And they either all win together or they don't. We have a team. We're working together. So it's not competition with each other. Let me read to you a couple of other translations for verse 24. It says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. In the Amplified, it says all the runners run their very best to win, but only one receives the prize. Run your race in such a way that you may seize the prize and make it yours. He says, therefore, I do not run without a definite goal. And so the apostle Paul is telling the church at Corinth, he's saying, listen, you have this race to run, but don't just run it haphazardly. You need to run it in order to win. You need to run it in order to come out victorious in your life. And it's interesting that in this passage, he references how to run the race twice. I believe he's trying to get something across to us and say, listen, you have a race, but I want you to understand how you run your race is vital. And the good news with God is that there's mercy, there's grace, there's forgiveness. In the Olympics, there's not. Right? We've seen some of those. People crash and fall. They mess up the handoff of the baton. Different things happen. And and their, their Olympic goals can be shattered over one moment. But in the kingdom, thankfully, that even when we mess up, we still can run and reach and obtain the prize in our life. Amen? Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. That's good news. I like to be on that team. That even in the midst of mistakes, we still can come out on top. We still get to win. 
So he says we need to run our race in order to win. And Hebrews again speaks to this. We read it earlier. It says, let us strip off every weight. It's Hebrews 12.1. says, let us strip off every weight. Now listen, that slows us down and especially the sin that so easily trips, trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Listen to what the passage translation says. It says, let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we'll be able to uh, run life's marathon race with passion and determination. The Living Bible says, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trips us up. So what do we get? What do we take away when we read this scripture concerning our race? Well, number one is, as he says, that we need to strip off the weight. We need to strip off the weight. Neil, sometimes we look at Christianity as being a sprint. And the problem is, is it's not. And you, if you look at sprinters, you're going to see that sprinters are very well developed in their muscle mass because they need that energy to be able to run with intensity, but they can only do that for a certain distance. And so for a sprinter, you can take a sprinter and you can add weight to their life and that sprinter can still finish their race. Now they may not come in first, but they can carry that weight in their life and they can still run their race. They can still carry that and, and, and run through that. They can even have baggage in their life and they could run down the, the track with a suitcase behind them full of baggage and they can still finish 100 yards, right? They can still finish 100 meters. They can still accomplish that in their life. And it's important that you stay with me on this. Because I love what it says. It says run with endurance. And then one translation says to run life's marathon race. Our race is not a sprint. Our race is a marathon. Now look at a marathon athlete. You don't see a lot of muscle mass. Doesn't mean they don't have any. But they're not bulked up. Because they don't need that kinetic type energy in their life to be able to make that sprint. They need endurance. And so if I add a, the same weight on the back of a marathon runner, it doesn't mean they can't make it 100 meters or 200 meters or maybe the first mile or the second mile, but you get to the mile 10 and that weight starts weighing on them. You get to mile 15 and that weight gets heavier. You don't have to add anything to it. It's just by nature, it wears against that athlete's endurance. And those athletes, as a marathon runner, it is easier to not finish a marathon because of the weights in, in, on their life than it is to run 100 meters. And that's why I believe you see many times, you see people in the body of Christ, they are out the gate, they're trying to run hard and, and do all this, and they have weights in their life, they have baggage in their life that they're not willing to stop and address. 
and they make it the first hundred meters. Maybe they outpace everybody else that first hundred meters, that first mile, that first five miles. But then that weight starts pulling down on them and it causes their running form to change. It causes their posture to be different. And it weighs against their endurance. And therefore, they may or may not even finish the race. And in your life and in my life, God's not as concerned just about how fast you run it. God's concerned about you finishing. Paul said, I finished my race. I didn't start my race. I finished it. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you that as, as the body of Christ and the world that we're living in and, and the years to come, we are going to have plenty of adversity that we're going to have to overcome to finish our race and we don't need any excess baggage to carry along with us. We, we don't need the extra weight. It's just like that, you know, when, when I ran track, I ran, you know, short distance up to the like 800 meter, you know, couple times around the track. I didn't run like cross country or long distance. But you know, when you get in to run the 100 or the 200, you know, even your shoes are different. Your equipment is different. And you've got shoes that have spikes on the, the ball of the feet and you really don't have much of a heel. You don't have like in, in running shoes where you have a heel, where you have a bounce, because in the sprint, you don't run on your heels, you run on the balls of your feet. But you watch a marathon runner, their cushion is gonna be all the way under their feet to be able to absorb the energy of pounding on their body mile after mile after mile after mile. And God has given us specific tools through his word to equip us to run the race that he's called us to run. And that race doesn't just happen in this quick moment. That race happens over a lifetime. And it's okay. It's great if you start out the first five years living for God. But how many people are dropping off? And the Bible's clear about that. There, there would be people that, that, that fall backwards. There would be people that, that bowed out. And I don't want to be that person. And the Bible says it's not just the weight that it is, but also the sin. And that sin, it clings to us. You know, now I, I'm, I'm a country person. Like, I like the outdoors. You know, I like that in and so in Louisiana, we'd go out and ride four-wheelers and do things in the, in the woods. And during the summer, you'd have these uh, weeds that produce these little bitty balls with little spikes all over them. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what they're called. David, what are they called? Do you know? Cockleburrows. You know, and so after you, you have jeans or any kind of fabric or cloth, that allows something to stick to it. You get through and you got these little things stuck all over you. They're clinging to you. That's what sin tries to do in your life. The sin wants to cling to you. And you have to be intentional to get that off and get that out of your life. The sin's paid for 
And, and this is what you need to understand, is the price of sin is paid for. It's not about the guilt of sin. It's about the lack of freedom when sin clings to you. It's about, you know, when we think about God hating sin, it's not because it's just wrong. He hates it because it robs people of the relationship that he desires to have with him. Do you see the difference in that? It robs you and I of having the full free relationship that Jesus paid for us to have as children of God. So again, this is not about picking on people and this is not about going around and just pointing out people's sin and pointing out the baggage in their life. But it is about being able to walk freely and live freely and serve God freely without restraint because of those things that are trying to grab hold of our lives. And Jesus has given us the freedom to do that. You know, I think about it and I, I see this more than anything. As I see people that struggle with burnout in the kingdom. They serve God and it's like serving God becomes a, a, a weary thing. And they begin to burn out in their life. And the first thing that they look at and say, well, I'm getting tired. So it must be church. <laughs> right? Come on. I'm tired. It must be church. Can't be my job. Maybe it is. Some, you know. But, but I have to have my job so I can pay my bills. Anybody ever been there? Amen? But, but the thing that, that I, could, I could do is I could, I could put church to the side for a season. I can quit serving for a season. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have seasons where we sit and get healthy and things like that. But I want to challenge you with something today. If your life is a cycle of serving or being connected and then being disconnected because of the heaviness of life and the things that maybe you're going through, I would just like to propose that maybe it's not the church or the serving, the race you're running, it might just be some baggage that you just hadn't got rid of yet. It might just be something that, that, that you're carrying in your life that God's been trying to get you free from and you're carrying that baggage in your life and the enemy is trying to get you to blame it on the things of the kingdom. Because I want you to understand something that the race God has called you to, he's given you grace and strength supernaturally to be able to accomplish and run and fulfill that race. He's not going to ask you to run a race that he hasn't equipped you to run. But he didn't ask you to carry the weight. He didn't ask you to hang on to the baggage. He didn't ask you to do that. That's your choice. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So in our life and running that race, we've not, we need to be careful. And again, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be times of rest. Please don't misunderstand that. 
But we need to make sure in our life, the first thing I look to shouldn't be reading my Bible and praying and church and serving. And when I mean serving, I mean serving according to the race and serving out of obedience, not serving to earn something or feel better about ourselves. I'm serving on purpose because God's given me that purpose. Amen? So, what does God want? He wants you and I to have freedom and liberty in our life to be able to, to, to ditch, to get rid of the baggage. And the Bible says that we need to lay aside every weight and the sin. And, and that word, lay aside, isn't really just to set it down. It's not really the word and the terminology there in the original. He's not telling you just to kind of set it down. It actually means to take it and it means to fling it off. It means to get rid of it. It means to fling it. There's nothing breakable in it. It's my daughter's backpack. And they're all over here looking at each other. What did he just break? There's nothing in there. Nothing that's breakable. But it's to fling it off. It's to cast it off. It's to get rid of it in my life. I don't want it anywhere near my life where I can just pick it back up again. And he wants that freedom. Amen. He wants that freedom in our life and that liberty. Listen to what John 8 says. It says, if you abide in my word, this is Jesus talking, verse 31. You are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It says, they answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them and said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And he says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You want the modern translation of that? I go to church. I'm a Christian. How are you going to say that I have sin in my life? How are you going to say I'm a slave to sin? I've been in church all my life. I, I, I'm born, I'm a child of God. Yes, you are. And you've been made free, but that doesn't mean you're walking free. That doesn't mean that you are choosing liberty in your life. Jesus said, whoever practices it, let me tell you something, let me help you. Making a mistake and coming up short in life, right? Anybody in here ever made a mistake? Right? If you didn't raise your hand, you, you made your first mistake. You lied. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> right <laughs> we'll, we'll have an altar call here in a minute right we've all made mistakes he's talking about the practice of it sin is not the, the sin is not your list of things that you deem as sin that you're avoiding <laughs> well you know I don't I, I don't lie I don't lie, I, I, I tell the truth. You know, I love everybody. 
You know, but, but what are you doing when you get on your computer late at night? You, you, you know what I'm saying? There, there's, do you have things that you're harboring in your heart? Do you have unforgiveness? Oh, oh, but Pastor Rob, I don't do these other things. I understand that. But, but, but it doesn't matter what you're not doing. It matters what is in your life that the enemy is using to cling to your life and strip and rob from you what God has for you. What is it in my, and, and listen again, it's not about being guilty. Jesus paid the price so that you're not guilty. But that's what makes this so important in our life is because he paid for it and you don't have to deal with it or have it in your life to where it's holding you back. It's about if this wasn't in my life weighing me down, what could I do? What could I do? And I'm going to tell you right now, doing more is not going to get God to love you more. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about earning those things that are paid for. But there is a prize. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.6 that without faith it's impossible to please God. Because you first have to believe that He is God. And secondly, you must believe that He is a rewarder of those that diligently, diligently seek Him. It doesn't say He's just a rewarder of those that get saved. He's a rewarder because there's a diligence in our life to walk with Him. And that is the blessing of God. To where He blesses and prospers you in your life in every facet. So knowing the truth is going to set me free. And it's not knowing about the truth. It's not having the truth memorized. That's a step. But that's not the end of it. What it is, is that there's an intimate knowledge and there's a submission to. There's an intimate knowledge through relationship and I'm submitted to the truth. So what's the difference? It's me knowing the truth and not doing it compared to knowing the truth and being submitted to it to where I do do it. And those are two totally different lives. One, you'll run your ways and you'll succeed, you'll obtain your prize. The other one, you're not going to finish. Because you're trapped and held back by that. Amen? So knowing Jesus, he said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, we know John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the truth. Amen? And being a church member, being a Christian doesn't make you free. Doesn't make you free. But what it does do is it puts you in an environment to be able to have freedom. Isn't that good news? Amen. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, I'm going to wrap it up here. It says, now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit, and wherever He is Lord, there is freedom. I love this translation. Another translation says, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. But it's where the spirit is Lord. He's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of Christ. 
or talking about the Holy Spirit. If he's not in authority in your life, then you won't be able to walk in full and complete freedom. It's where the Spirit of the Lord is, where he's working in your life that brings freedom into our life. It takes the Word and the Spirit in our life to be able to run our race with liberty and freedom. Takes them both. Amen? Takes them both in our life to be able to have freedom. So freedom happens when we live submitted to the truth and the authority of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. In other words, freedom comes in our life not just because we come to church, but because we are the church. Not because we met Jesus, but because we follow Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? There's that extra step that I'm living and, and serving and walking with God in my life. I'm living submitted in my life. Now, here's one other level there. Freedom happens when we live in accountable relationships with other believers. Pastor Rob, I don't need nobody. I got this. No, you don't. It's just me and Jesus. That's all I need. You ever heard anybody say that? It's just me and Jesus. No, it ain't you and Jesus. If it was you and Jesus, it would be you and Jesus and his bride, his family, his people. <laughs> you can't separate Jesus from his body. So it's me and Jesus and Jesus' people. We're all his people. And it takes that in our life to really walk in freedom. And that's not easy. That's not the easy part. That's why love is one of the top commandments. Because it positions us in a place to be able to walk with people. Because how many of you know people can be crazy? Especially church people, right? You know, one minute it's, I'm highly favored, blessed of the Lord. And the next minute, they're cussing out the waitress. And they stiff them on their tip. I'm so blessed that I can't bless you. Come on now, just be honest about it. That's not none of you, right? Don't, don't ever wear one of our t-shirts and stiff somebody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. If you're going to represent, represent Jesus and do it right. Amen? Hallelujah. But do you understand, it takes that accountability of believers. We have to have one another in that. And so I'm doing this on purpose because... That's what our freedom groups are about. Our freedom groups are not just groups. Listen, life groups are not about the meeting place. I'm in this life group because we meet here. Life groups are not just the meeting. Life groups are the relationships. Do you see what I'm saying? It's the relationships. Freedom groups are about the relationships with people that I can see they've even been where I've been and they've overcome it. They are where I am and we're overcoming it together. You see how that works? You say, well, you know, Pastor Rob, I've already been through a freedom group. Well, that's great. You ought to be co-leading it or you ought to be attending it so that you can help somebody else be free. 
And I know it's not easy. Because in order to do it right, we've got to be open and we've got to be willing. But that's where freedom really comes from. Because whatever stays in the dark will always stay clung to you. It'll always stay there. You'll never get free of things that are in the dark. It's not till they're brought and exposed by the light to where the power of God is able to break that in our life. And that's why this is not about guilt. It's not about shame. It's not about any of that. It's about the mercy of God and being able to be free so that we can finish our race. And the last scriptures are Matthew 55, 21, and then Luke 19, 17, and it's the story of the parable where the master gives his servants the talents or the minas, and he gives the servants, and he goes away, and he comes back, and he wants an account for it. So I want an account for it. And in both stories, two of the servants took what God had given them, and they multiplied it. And then in both stories, one servant took what God had given him, took what the master gave him, and just dug it a hole in the ground and just put it in the ground and did nothing with it. And the response to the two that took what God had given them and did something with it, they ran their race, if you will. The Bible says he responded with, well done. Well done. Well done. I, 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 I want those words to ring in my ears when I stand before Jesus. I don't want him to say, you made it. Barely, but you made it. I want to hear the words, well done. I want to know that my life made a difference, that my life counted, that the price that I paid, the sacrifice I've made, I've done for Jesus. And he's using that to be able to reach people and touch people. So some closing thoughts. The prize has to be greater than the cost or the sacrifice to obtain it. Sometimes as Christians, we just think about what we give up. Can't do this, can't do that. It's not about that. It's about the prize. And when I understand the prize and I see the glory and I see what I get to be a part of and I, I see the end result, the cost becomes a mute point. The cost that the Olympians are, are, are walking through, the, the cost of it is, is pale in comparison to those to, to when they run the race and they obtain the prize. The prize has to be greater than the baggage that I carry and the sin in my life. See, I've got to look ahead. And if you go back to Hebrews, the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured. Hey, there's a joy. We can have joy now, but there's joy set before us. Amen? And that's seeing people come into the kingdom of God, people knowing Jesus. Amen? Having a relationship with him. Now just think about this. There's a difference in those who finish from those who obtain the prize. Just watch the Olympics. And the joy on the face of of the ones that obtained the prize compared to the ones they're glad that they finished, but they didn't obtain the prize. There's a difference. Amen? And if you find yourself, if I find myself off course, amen, I'm just one step away. Just one step away. 
Just one step, one decision away from getting back on track. God's not beating you up. God's not running after you, kicking you around and saying you're terrible. No, he just says, I love you and let's just get on with it. Amen.